She was guilty. She was guilty. It was obvious. It wasn't just obvious because she knew she was guilty. It was obvious because she had been caught. You see, that was a law. She couldn't be considered guilty unless they caught her literally in the act of adultery. Being caught in the act of adultery, then they could convict her. Well, it didn't really need too much of a trial. Two people just had to be witnesses to the account. She had to have been a a married or engaged woman found with another man. And according to the law, the man should be in trouble as well, but for somehow he's left out of the story. And they show up in this place, and the religious leaders, the church people, the people that are supposed to be the God people, they, they bring her in, ready to, well, fulfill what the law says. Be good God followers. We've got to follow the rules. And there she is, naked and dusty in the dirt, lying on the ground at the feet of Jesus. All around, the people are condemning her, the verbal abuse, and the religious leaders look at Jesus because really this wasn't about her at all. It was about trapping him. They, they look at Jesus and they go, okay, Jesus, the law says that she's to die, that we stone her to death. That's what gets to happen. She is guilty. We caught her. We've got the witnesses. And since they knew that Jesus was merciful, They wanted to see if they could trap him. And this merciful Jesus stands and and looks at her and looks at the people. Jesus knew the law. He knew what the results of her actions would be. And in his great wisdom, he says, okay, any of you out there, any of you church people, If you haven't sinned, throw the first rock. Go ahead. No, no, really, come on, do it. And then Jesus gets down on his hands and knees in the dirt next to this naked, broken woman and begins to write. We don't know what he says. Some say that it were the sins of the people who were standing around. And they left oldest to the youngest. And Jesus sat in the dirt with a guilty woman. She looks at him, Jesus, don't you condemn me? Don't you condemn me? I'm guilty. It's obvious. They found me out. I'm guilty. Don't you condemn me? Jesus didn't. Her accusers were gone. And Jesus leaves us with the parting words, go and sin no more. Will you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word? We're in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets, and if you didn't get it by our song this morning, we are in Micah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Listen, you guys listen too, all right? Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you.
you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before you? the Lord, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, I love that part. What a contrast between us and God. I show you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. So when I was in high school, I, um, I, got out of school really early. We had block scheduling. I only had four classes a day, so my second semester of my senior year of high school, I took the last two periods off, which was amazing, and I went home at like 11 o'clock every day. And uh, about that time, um, during the day, Judge Judy was on. Now, I, I really loved Judge Judy for multiple reasons. Um, I loved Judge Judy because she always calls it how she sees it. Um, there, there just isn't a whole lot of fool in her. Like, she, she's got this down. She knows what's going on, and she's, and she's listening to people, and at the same time, you know on the inside she's got to be dying because these cases are ridiculous. Um, this person's dog got loose, and he pooped in my flower bed. Or, you know, um, or we were dating, and this guy, total jerk, like, he left my apartment a mess, and I boxed up his stuff, but he won't take it, and so I want him to pay for storage for the time that his junk was in my house. They're ridiculous. All of these accusations, all of these, these, uh, these, sorry, these, these cases that are brought before Judge Judy, and she's hilarious, the way that she responds, and she pretty much tells them that they're ridiculous. Or she'll make the guilty party pay or, or tell them both to quit acting like children and, and go behave like adults, which I think a lot of us adults could learn better behavior from our children sometimes. It, it's, it's fun to watch cases that are slightly ridiculous with other people. It's not so much fun when the cases are brought against us. You see, God in this passage of scripture is speaking to the people of the kingdom of Judah. And, and the people there who are living in Jerusalem are not behaving as God would have them to behave. They're not acting justly. They aren't a people of justice. 
They're not walking humbly with God, and they're not behaving mercifully. And so all of the things that the people were supposed to be doing, they weren't doing because their hearts were in the wrong place. And so Jesus takes the people, sorry, God takes the people of Israel to court. And, and he says to them, what have I done to you? Come on, bring your charges against me. Charge God. What have I done? And then God goes on to list through the prophet Micah all of these beautiful ways that he has redeemed and saved his people. He says, I brought you out of Egypt. The pivotal story of their entire people's history of being freed from slavery and traversing into a, a, a wilderness that will end up in a promised land. He said, I, I, when you were on the edge of Moab and the king of Moab comes out and he brings Balaam along and he says, all right, I want you to curse these people. Balaam opens his mouth and all he can say are blessings. They just flow out because God even used an evil king's puppet to proclaim blessings upon his people when they were afraid and they were fearful. And as they were prepared to go into the promised land, God said, even then I showed my faithfulness to you. I've been faithful all along the way. Can you think back in your own life? All of the ways that God has been faithful to you, even in those moments where you have not been faithful to him, it's amazing how God works that way. How his justice, mercy, and humility walk before us always, all the time. There had been this great covenant with the people of God that had happened on Mount Sinai, and over and over and over again, the people of God had broken that covenant. Their end of the deal was shattered because they were not willing to follow after God. They, they weren't willing to live according to the covenant that God had made with them. And because of that, they were broken. And so there's got to be some type of reconciliation. The people of God have got to figure out, how do we reconcile this relationship with the Lord? How do we fix it? How do we make it better? And, and I love this passage of scripture because it just goes from, it goes from like reasonable to absolutely unreasonable things that God might ask of people. Like it just escalates. If you read it, there's this great sense of sarcasm and irony even in it as, as he reads through, what do you, what do you want from us? Do you want, do you want an offering? Do you want thousands of rams? Do you want thousands of, of miles of river of olive oil? Do you want my first child? What do you want from me, God? How can I mend this brokenness between me and you? How does it get fixed? And, and God comes back with these three, three little things. This is how you do it. You act justly, you love mercy, and you walk humbly with your God. You see, they had been found guilty. The people of God were guilty, not God. And yet God approaches the people with this relentless 
forgiveness and love because his ultimate goal is always to bring people back into relationship with him. It's not to drive you off and it's not to stone you dead. It's to bring you to life. And life that is abundant. If you have been watching the news at all over the last several weeks, you probably have seen this video. Amber Geyer, who is a former police officer, walked into her apartment and saw a large black man sitting on her couch eating ice cream and she shot him dead. Later to find out it was not her apartment at all. She had entered the wrong place. A man is now dead and his brother takes the stand and I would like for you to see it today. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. I'm not sure there's a better sermon than that young man's testimony. His brother is dead. It is her fault. And yet he uses the words, I don't even want you to go to prison. We have done an injustice in the church. An injustice that makes, that makes the word justice look a lot like people getting what they deserve instead of people getting what they don't deserve, and that's exactly what mercy is. What we deserve is the death penalty. Our sin was there. We have been found out. We are guilty. And yet, Jesus sweeps in. He sweeps in and he gets down in the dirt and the dust and the mire with us and he looks at us in our faces and he says, I don't condemn you. You're not damned by God. The only thing damning you is your own actions. That's it. Your choice not to surrender to the will of God. And God is pleading with us. He says, I don't want you to sacrifice everything. I don't want you to think you have to go to the moon and back for me to save you, to speak life to you, to give you new life. That's not it. You see, I know you've been found guilty, but I can set you free. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will wash them white as snow. I forgive, says God. And he calls us. In the same way that he called the adulterous woman in the dirt, in the same way that he called the people of Israel, he calls us today to live a life of sinlessness. Go and sin no more. He calls us to the same life of justice, mercy, and humility that he called the people of Israel. Be merciful. Be just. Do it humbly. Walk with our God. In the next chapter in Micah 7, verses 18 and 19, this is what Micah says. Who, 
who is a God like you? Who pardons sins? Who does that? And forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. That's his people. Who pardons sins and forgives his people. You don't stay angry forever, but you delight to show us mercy. You will again have compassion on us. And you will tread on our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities in the depths of the sea. Do you long for that today? Can you just take a moment and close your eyes? Can you picture yourself as the adulterous woman in the dirt? Or a people, a person so lost that they just can't figure out how to make their way back to God. This morning you have a chance to just give all of those things to him. You simply ask the Lord to forgive you. He's waiting there in the dirt to make it so. He's not approaching you with condemnation or judgment. He's approaching you with justice and mercy, with humility. God, I pray today that you will work in our hearts and lives. I ask, oh God, for the people sitting out there now that feel like the adulterous woman in the dust, that you will wrap them up in your loving arms, that you will be merciful as you always are, that you will forgive them. Scripture tells us all we have to do is ask. For he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And maybe today you're not so much like the woman in the dirt, but more like the people of Israel who have started focusing so much on laws and legalism and sacrifice that you've forgotten to be a people of justice, humility, and mercy. God can make you back there. Trust in him today. Let him guide you in all your ways. Lord, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to be here. God, I pray that you would just continue to work on hearts and lives even after we leave this place. I pray, Lord, that you will move and speak that you will continue to be a God of justice and mercy and humility. That you will move in us the things that are of you. That we will love you and love others well. And in all things today, oh God, we give you praise. For you, oh Heavenly Father, are so very worthy of it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning that if any part of that passage, if you, if you're, 
If you're the adulterous woman in the dust and you've asked for forgiveness today, oh, tell somebody about it. There's no better place than to be. There's no better place to be than to be in a community of people who support you and love you. Even in your, in your brokenness, in your sinfulness, especially in your brokenness. And people of God, faces that I see all of the time here, if you're struggling with being a good people of justice and mercy and humility, share that too. Share in your life groups. Share with one another. Build each other up in Christ so that we can go and be a people of Christ. Will you stand with me today for the benediction? And as you do that, a couple of, a couple of quick, easy announcements for you. We're going to eat hog, and it's going to be outside, and it's going to be awesome. That was a little funny. It's okay. You guys are getting out of the, you know, you, you'll, you'll get it when you get out there. Um, there's, a kids, there's a kids area on the playground, lots of fun stuff going on. We're going to have giveaways and live music and all kinds of good stuff. Um, we've got a handful of people that are making their way to the kitchen to get all the food outside, so give them a few minutes. Um, there's lots of places to sit, so find one. Um, make a friend, meet a new neighbor, um, enjoy your day of fellowship, and eat good food. And uh, Dave Tennant will happily take you on the fast train to Flavortown. <laughs> and if you know Dave, you know that's his saying that I usually get wrong. <laughs> As you go from here today, O oh people of God, trust in the Lord. Trust in him with all your hearts. Don't lean on your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge him. In your comings and goings, in your work life, in your family life, acknowledge God first. And I promise, and the word promises, he's going to make your road straight. He's going to lead you down the right path. Amen. You are dismissed.